0: With the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers, and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Um, then a certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others say, others said, Excuse me, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to this leader, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak? for you are bringing some strange things to our ears therefore we want to know what these things mean for all the athenians um, and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of um, these men, excuse me, I, I, I'm not very good at these foreign names, and said, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious, for as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives life, um, since he gives all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Verse 27. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we also, for we are also his offspring. Now we're going to skip down to verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. This morning, we're going to look at this passage. And the topic, I guess, if you're taking notes, if you want to write it down, um, what I've, um, you know, chosen to title this message is, Making Known the Unknown God. Making Known the Unknown God. You know, this morning we're going to focus and we're going to learn how we as Christians can make known the unknown God. How we can make known this God that we serve to our friends in our workplace, to our families. You know, there are many people out in the world that if you were to ask them, they would say, you know, about, you know, things of creation and how the world came to be, and, and you know, progressive, um, you know, people, you know, things growing and, and stuff like that in life, they would say, yeah, I, I believe in, you know, some, there's some supernatural being, something supernatural took place, you know. I'm, I'm not an atheist, you know, I believe in something, you know, yeah, there, there was something that, that happened. They don't necessarily know what it was, but they'll, they'll be willing to admit that there was some supernatural, you know, divine kind of being that created things. And um, and so they've set aside in their minds over here in their belief system a part a part of this they they've set aside an unknown god they don't know necessarily what it is but I mean they've set it aside and, and they believe that something was there that did all this so we as Christians need to be the ones to enlighten our dear friends and our coworkers on who exactly this unknown god is that they have set aside in their belief. And you know what, today hopefully we can all catch some things that will help us communicate better um, the things of God to our friends and to our peers. And that's what I'm really hoping for. But the first thing that I think we need to understand is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. There's not necessarily points today, but there's going to be a lot of good things, I can guarantee you. So you can write this down. Translating, translating Jesus into the world we live in is going to take us going to their places. Translating Jesus into the world that we live in is going to take us going to their places. Now hear me out on this. Don't stop listening there. Because, you know, a lot of people could stop listening there and then walk away with, well, I heard it today, you know, Clay said up there that I can, I can go down there to the bar because, you know, we need to go to their places. And God knows that's where they are. They're down there at the bar and I need to go down there and witness. It's going to be a sacrifice, I know, but I'm just going to have to... I'm just going to have to go down there. I might hey, I might even have to have a couple drinks with them before they'll talk to me. But uh and that's not what I'm saying. That is not what I'm saying when I'm saying that we need to go to their places. What I am saying is something like this and I, I want to tell you a, a little story. When I was in Australia, um, I had an I had an RDG, which is uh like a youth cell of boys. And um, and anyways, and so um, but every now and again, um, some of the boys would invite friends who, um, you know, perhaps their parents, and a lot of parents in Australia maybe had a preconceived idea about Hillsong. They weren't, you know, real into it, and they just heard what the media had to say, and so they weren't going to send their kids there or anything like that. But they would let their children come with friends to RDG, you know, because that was just at my house, and it was laid-back atmosphere, kind of thing like that. And so, um, you know, one of my one of my boys, my um, close boys, invited this friend, and he came along to RDG, and, um, and uh, you know, he was coming along for a few weeks, and he played rugby, and he played cricket. And, um, and he and he said to me one day. He said, um, "Oh, you know, Clay, would would you like to come to any of my rugby games?" And it was like the very end of rugby season, so I was like, "Oh, sure, you know, I, I'll, I'll go along." So I went to a few of his rugby matches, and they were really cool, and we had a good time. And, and you know, meanwhile, I'm building this relationship with them, and it's really good, and stuff like that. And um, excuse me. And then um, and then cricket season started. And I don't know if any of you know much about cricket, but cricket is possibly the most boring game. That has ever been created. It is the most boring, drawn out game I have ever sat and watched. And let me just say this. Cricket, one match can last about three days. One match can last about three days because here's how it works. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw out some rules there for you. But here's what happens in cricket. Obviously if you know, if you've seen it, you know the guy and he brings the ball around and stuff like that. Well what happens is, One team will bat first. And so you have the guy and he's batting here. Now, in order for a batter it's not like three strikes and you're out. In order for a batter to get out, he you know the defense either has to catch the ball in midair, or um, you know, when he hits the ball, what they do is they run back and forth between these wicket things and they and you know, every time they hit one, that's one point, then they have to run back and forth two points. But if in the midst of their run um this little wooden peg gets knocked off this stand, then they're out. Okay? So, anyways, but that those are the only two ways a batter can get out. And what happens in cricket is that an entire team will bat first and then the next team will bat and every single one of their players will bat and you don't sit down until you're out. So you, you could score hundreds of runs for your team and you're going to still be up there until you get out. So obviously, just looking at that, the game of cricket can last a very long time. And so as I go to watch this kid play cricket, there's, there may be a chance that I go there to see him and he's not even going to get to bat that day, you know? And it's just kind of like... Here I am, putting myself out there, trying to build this relationship, and I'm just sitting in the hot, you know, just sweating to death, watching this boring, lifeless game, and it's just, it's absolutely awful, and um, I'm so glad we don't have it in America, I'm so glad, I'm so, because guys, I'm sorry, if you played cricket, I wouldn't be there, I'm sorry, I love you to death, but I just don't know if I could do it anymore. But anyways, so he, he kept asking me to come to his cricket matches, and so I would, you know, I'd suck it up and deal with it, and I'd go along. But then this one day came, he called me on on a Friday night, and um, and he said, you know, I have a cricket match tomorrow on Saturday, can you come? And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll come, but you come to church with me on Sunday. I'll come to your match, but you come to church. And now, and now this young boy came from a family, um, you know, he wasn't getting a lot of attention, his parents would never really go to the games. And, um, and And so, you know, he would be there by himself most of the time, no one ever came to support him or anything like that. And so I said, yeah, I'll come, but you come to church with me on Sunday. Excuse me. And he said, he, he was like, oh, all right, all right. And, you know, I don't know if my parents are going to take me. I'll get you a ride. You just promised to come to church. And he's like, okay, okay. Now, I say all that to say this when I talk about going to their places, is that you cannot turn down every office party, every Christmas party of a neighbor, every time someone invites you to a sports event, over to their house for dinner, and then be offended and mad when that person doesn't want to come to your church. You cannot turn down every every little invite of them reaching out and and trying to build a relationship. And you can't turn every single one of those things down and then be offended when they don't want to come to your church. They don't want to come. You see, that young boy came to church because I placed myself in his world. I went to his places. I did the things that he liked to do. And in return, he had to learn to give back and to do what I like to do. And I like to go to church, and so he was going to come along with me and we and, and you know a lot of times we as christians we need to learn um not to say oh you know i I'm, I'm not going to i'm not going to go to a neighbor's party because um you know i i don't associate with non-christians i don't associate with um you know people who are going to who are going to drag me down you know oh, there's going to be alcohol there i'm not going i don't i don't associate with things like that and, and you know i'm not going to be in that kind of environment i'm not going and, and and i'm not one i'm not for one second condoning alcohol or that party lifestyle so don't get me wrong i'm not saying that but what i am saying and and i'll just say this as a little disclaimer for for a youth I would say that kind of a party is a no. I would say that if there's at all any kind of alcohol, things that you know are wrong, it's a no. Why? Because 9.9 out of 10 youth across the world can't handle it. The the peer pressure is too much and they can't handle it. So so everyone's going to have to take this in bits and pieces today. You can't just generalize the whole thing. And, um, and you know, I would also say to someone maybe who, who has just been, um, you know, perhaps sober or just gotten out of that party lifestyle, you know, now is not the time to say, oh, I'm going to go back and witness to all my friends. Going back to that environment is probably not a safe thing to do right now. But what I am saying is that if we want people to give in to us and to give in to coming to our church and experiencing God, then we just need to be a little bit prepared to give in and do some of the things that they like to do and put ourselves in their world. You can write this down. We need to put ourselves in their world while maintaining our spirituality and godliness. It's so important because, yeah, yeah, we do not need to be dragged back down, but it is important that we are reaching people. Put yourself in their world while maintaining your spirituality and godliness. You know, many people um, that are perhaps you know older than me, maybe you grew up in a church um, or a denomination um, similar to, you know, like my mom did. And she always tells the stories where, um, man, the thought never crossed your mind about being anywhere where there was going to be alcohol, dancing, anything like that. You know, mom jokes around a lot, but if it looked fun, they weren't doing it, you know? <laughs> And and she always jokes around, but maybe maybe that's how you grew up. And you were so, and, and you just thought, no way. The thought never crossed your mind that you were going to be around anything like that. And that's cool. And everyone surrounded themselves with only good, godly church friends. They only hung out with the ones that were at church and stuff like that. And that's awesome. They were so encouraged. Bless God, we're not going to hang out with any heathens. But in the meantime, churches stopped growing. Churches stopped growing. You know, the only time the church would grow is if you or your friend had a baby. You know, bless God, we're on the incline now. You know, I mean, but that was the only time the church would grow because people were not being reached. And, you know, and I'm here to, you know, I'm, I'm saying today that, you know, everyone needs their Jonathan like David had. Everyone needs those friends that will raise you up, that will lift you up, encourage you, speak wisdom to you, be godly beside you, carry you when you, when you can't feel like you can make it and stuff like that. But I'll also say this, that people need disciples in their life. You know, when Jesus started his ministry, he didn't go down to the synagogue and pick up, you know, Pharisees and Sadducees. He didn't pick up religious leaders who knew the law. That's not who he picked up. He went down to the local marina and picked up some sailors, some fishermen. He had a tax collector, a doctor. He picked up just a bunch of randoms, just a bunch of randoms because he knew these people need to especially hear my voice. You know, the Pharisees, they have the law. They have the prophecies. If they screw up, it's their own fault because they have those things. These disciples, these men do not have those things. They especially need to hear my voice and to hear what I have to say. You know what? Your friends at church have a Bible. They have a Bible. Perhaps they're in here right now hearing the same thing week to week that you're hearing. Now, I'm not saying neglect them, neglect them, because they might go through times where they need you to encourage them and step up, but people out there don't have a Bible. They're not hearing this every week. They're not hearing the word of the Lord, and you need to be Jesus to them. They need to hear what you have to say. Your neighbors and your coworkers desperately need to hear you, because why? Because you have the answers that they need. You have the answers. It's time that we all make known the unknown God. Make him known. Now on the subject about, you know, um, you know, being in the lives of, of those maybe who don't know God. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, Clay, now the Bible says that, you know, we're to be in the world but not of the world. You know? And, and I know. I've read that one too. And, and what I have to say to that is, you know, I think that there's a lot of Christians in the world today who are not only not of the world, but they're not even in the world. A lot of people translate that as, oh, in the world means I'm just standing here on earth. I'm in the world. But I don't I don't translate it personally like that. I choose to think that, you know, being in the world means being in the lives of those that are in the world. That it's being in the lives of those people around you. You know, you might be able to say at at, at the end of the day or at the end of the life, man, I surrounded myself with good godly people. I was not influenced negatively one bit. Man, the world did not get a hold of me. I did not influence um or I was not influenced by anyone, but you yourself have not influenced anyone. Man, you weren't influenced. Praise God, but you haven't influenced a single person. Are we going to be a people that will step out and be an influencing person to those around us? Because it's we got to take it on both sides. You can't just not you know you can't try to just influence everyone and yourself um, and not be influenced by godly things. But you can't just necessarily be influenced by all all negative things. You know you got to take them both. You got to be influenced by things that that are going to build you up, but you need to be a person of influence. What I'm simply saying is that you know there's a world of people out those doors that are searching for answers to their unknown God. They are seriously searching for answers. I mean, nowadays there's um, there's all sorts of religions, all this Scientology, all this New Age kind of stuff, and people are just making up new religions every day. You know, and people are buying into it because people are so spiritually thirsty. They're so spiritually thirsty, and we have the answers. We, the people in the church, are the only ones who have the truth and the answers that they need. We're the only ones who can lead them to the God that satisfies spiritual thirst. We're the only one. that We know the God who satisfies spiritual thirst, and we're the only ones. Like, I don't know if you know this, but the local church is the only hope for the world. Like. Like the local church is the only hope for the world. Like When when Christ left, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the only thing he is building until his return is his church. There is no plan B. It's either us stepping out or it's nothing. You know, when Christ left, you know, at at the end of Matthew, he left us the Great Commission, right? Everyone knows the Great Commission. It's not called the Great Suggestion. That's not what it's called. It's called the Great Commission. It's a command. He tells us to go where? Into the world and make disciples. Not into your cell group and make disciples. He said go into the world and make disciples. Go to their places. You know, people aren't just going to... We're, we're crazy if we just think one day a hundred people are just going to wake up and say, I feel like going to church today. Hey, there's one in Legacy Theater. All right. Like, chances are that's not going to happen. It's only going to happen when we make known the unknown God in our workplace and to our friends. We have to make known the unknown God. Now, there's a couple of other things that I want us to look at in this passage in Acts chapter 17. Um, In the verses 24 through 31. 24 through 31. Now, um, I'll just read them again real quick. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life breath and all things and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their preappointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings and um and we'll just skip down to the end again and it says and you know when they heard some mocked and others followed But that first part right there, when Paul is describing to them this God, when he's trying to make known this unknown God, I find it interesting that Paul, a very educated man, um, you know, he could he could probably he could definitely hold his own in a debate, you know, if someone tried to refute him, he could hold his own. But I find it interesting that when Paul was communicating with these Greeks, he did not at any time quote Hebrew Scripture. He did not at any time quote Hebrew scripture. Why? Because he knew they wouldn't get it. He knew they wouldn't get it. They don't understand. For, for him to sit there and quote scripture at him all day long, man, he's making a good point, isn't he, man? He's doing good, and he's winning points. But meanwhile, they're just sitting there stunned like a deer in headlights because they wouldn't have a clue. You know, I find it interesting that Paul, you know, doesn't baptize anyone. No one speaks in tongues. He doesn't build a church and leave him with a, a minister to go forward. It's, it's very unusual compared to all of his other um, stops and missionary journeys that he made, that he, he did not do any of those things here. Paul had to communicate with the Greeks and relate to them on a level they could understand. And you know, we in church, a lot of times, we communicate in our own language. We have our own language. And, um, and, and, you know, for instance, for instance, if I came up to someone who's in church and I said, hey man, have you been reading your word lately? Oh yeah, man. You know, oh yeah, I read this and this and this. Now, for instance, if I turn over here to an unbeliever, hey man, you've been reading your word lately? What? Like, We have all these cliches, all these little church lingos, no one understands except those of us who are in church. And so, for you to go out to your workplace, to, you know, to your coworker and say, hey man, you know, would you like to come to church with me this weekend? Man, we're, you know, we're believing for an awesome weekend, you know, the Holy Spirit's gonna fall like fire, He's gonna consume our flesh, man, and we're gonna have intimacy with the Holy Spirit, this, you know, for you to say all those kind of things, they're just like, what on earth? Fall like fire, consume my flesh, like, they just, they don't, they don't understand. And they'll probably say, no thanks. All no. Oh, you're that church with snakes, right on. Oh, no. no, like, they're probably going to say, no thanks. But, you know, the church and Christianity to an unbeliever is not only a different way of living. It's not only a different lifestyle, but it's a totally different language. It's a totally different language. And so when we make known the unknown God, we got to speak the language that other people are speaking. We have, to, we have to relate to them. And you might be the most intelligent person in this room right now, but you might have to bring yourself down to another level to where someone else can receive what you have to say so you're just not shooting over the top of their head all the time. If we want to make a difference, then we need to relate and go to their places and, and relate to them how, how they're used to communicating with each other. Um, you know, and, and just going up to someone and saying, um, you know, and, and it works sometimes. Perhaps, you know, the Lord stirs in your heart and you just walk up to someone and you say, you know, do you know, do you know the Lord and Savior? Um, do you know Jesus has your Lord and Savior right now? You can receive him. And, it, and just be straightforward and passionate, not beat around any bush. Just be passionate. Maybe they'll break down crying and, and, you know, the Holy Spirit will do work right there. But a lot of times that's not how it works. You have to build relationship with someone before they're going to let you speak into their life. You know, I find it, like, interesting that... Um, now, you know, for me personally, if I'm, you know, maybe maybe I need corrected on a, a certain issue. But if someone that I don't necessarily know comes up to me and they say, hey, I see this going on in your life, man. I don't think, I think you need to get right. And I think you need to change this and do this and this and this. I'm going to look at him like, dude, who are you? Who are, who are you? to You know, and maybe that's not the best attitude, but that's how everyone works. Who are you to tell me? I need to change this. But, you know, if my brother, my best friend, you know, one of my parents comes up and says, Clay, I, I see this maybe as a problem in your life and I feel like you need to change and you need to go in this direction, then you're kind of like, oh, oh, okay, okay. And, and you kind of examine yourself then. Why? Because you have relationship with those people and you're open to them, um, uh, you know, expressing their concerns to your life. And and it works the same way. No, no co-worker wants you to just rock out to their desk one day and decide that, you know, they need Jesus and today's the day and you're gonna receive him right now. Like, and, and, but, but that's not how it works all the time. You need to build relationship. You need to go to their places and put yourself in their world. It's just some practical things guys that I, I believe will help us translate Jesus into our world. And you know, a lot of times maybe you feel like, you know, I, I don't necessarily know the right thing to say. That, you know, maybe I'm not prepared. Clay, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do those things. You know what? Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 7. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then he, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. You might not even know what to say, but when the power of God comes over you, perhaps in your workplace, you don't have to speak. All you have to do is open your mouth and let the Lord speak. You don't have to say anything. Don't don't feel like you have to write out a little you know, post-it before you go over to their desk and, and what am I going to say? And if they say that, then it will lead to this. And I have to write out this plan A, plan B, and, and stuff like that. You don't have to worry about that because you're not speaking. Amen. You are not speaking. But you will have to open your mouth and allow the Spirit of the Lord to come through you and to speak to those people. Just open your mouth. You know what? If he can use a donkey, bless God, I think he can use you. I mean, I'm not just... I think... If he can use an animal, certainly he can use me. I mean, that's the way we need to think. God can use me. It's not that hard. I think that, that the, I don't know who, who has done it or, or how it's happened, but I think that people just think that witnessing is so hard and, and that they're so, just, it's, it's gotten around the, you know, the church today all over the world that, man, it's difficult, but we gotta do it. It's not difficult. It's not that difficult when you build a relationship with someone. And when you do the right things, and you create those avenues to which you can speak into someone's life, it's not that difficult. But it's like this—it's like this ceiling covers all of us that says, "Man, witnessing is hard. I don't know. I don't know if it's for me. I don't know if I can do it, man." There's better people than that. It's not hard. It's not hard at all when you put yourself in the life of the person that you need um, to make known the unknown God. And The last thing that I want to look at is in um, Acts chapter 17, and um, out of out of this particular passage, and. Um, you know, verse 32. And it says, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. I'm not going to lie to you and say that every time you try to make known the unknown God, that everyone's going to drop what they're doing, come to church and change their world. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you and say that. Because it's probably not going to happen all the time. But I think that it's awesome. I think that it's so cool that we can look at this verse, that we can look at this and see that even Paul was mocked. Paul, perhaps the greatest missionary to ever walk this earth, even he was mocked. But, verse 34, however, some men joined and believed. Some men joined and believed. Paul persevered and kept witnessing after being mocked, and he went on to win thousands to Christ. Think about this. What if Paul... Would have been like, well shoot, man, that didn't work out. Well, you know what, I, I can never show my face, you know, back there again. You know, I won't forget that, man. This thing, this is harder than I thought. Imagine if Paul gave up. What would we not have today if Paul would have given up first try after being mocked? I'm not gonna sit here and say that it's gonna work out every time. You will be mocked. Like, like, like it's gonna happen. But you cannot give up. You must persevere like you must persevere man let's be a people that will not let a couple disappointments stop us from moving in all that god has called us to do i will not let a disappointment stop me from moving into everything that i know the lord has placed in my heart and you know what? You might step out and witness ten times and only see one person come to church. But seeing that one person come into relationship with Christ, get their world totally transformed, was worth the nine tries before that. It was worth the nine tries before that. Perhaps you yourself were the tenth person. You know, Aren't you glad that whoever witnessed to you stuck it out and didn't give up when, when their first nine failed? Perhaps you were the tenth person. You know, I'm just saying, you, you cannot be discouraged. We cannot be a people that get discouraged. It's it's out of the question. When you leave this place today, you need to say, Lord, I'm going to have a spirit that says I will never be discouraged over my witnessing, over my trying to transform my workplace, transform my friends and my family. I will not be discouraged. You know, I know personally for our family that, that we've been working on a few people in our family for decades. Decades. But there cannot be a discouragement. the the battle is not lost. The day is not over. That we are still moving forward and and we believe with all our heart that we will see transformation happen. And that's where we need to be. It's just a question as to how bad do we want to make known the unknown God? How bad do you want it? How much passion will you choose to operate in? It's all about how much passion you have. How much passion are we going to choose to operate in today? When you leave this place, when you start work tomorrow, how much passion are you going to choose to operate in? You know, I, I, as I'm just kind of you know coming, coming in, um, you know, finishing up. I just want to tell a story, and um, it's about passion, and it's about wanting to see um your friends um know the unknown God. There was this girl. Or I, I should start with this. That um, you know, in Australia, every year we have this uh, big event called the Big EXO Day, and a um, big youth event in the in the state of New South Wales. It, you know, it kind of be like having a massive youth event in Columbia for South Carolina, and um. And, you know, it's going to be huge. And, you know, during the day, there's just, um, you know, there's, you know, motocross and all, you know, BMX and skate parks and all this different stuff, rides, like, you know, fair kind of rides. just this huge, massive thing that Youth Alive puts on um, for the whole state. And, you know, so youth ministries are coming from all over New South Wales. And there's probably um, going to be, um, well, we just had it, you know, before I came. And there's probably about, uh, you know, twelve thirteen thousand 13,000 kids there. And um, just awesome at the Superdome. And then that night... Um, we had, uh, one of the, it was actually the father of the first girl that was killed in Columbine. Um, he came and he spoke and, um, and he was going to be the guest speaker that night. And, you know, we had praise and worship before. And so, you know, it's like this big, huge fun day, um, during the day, but then at night, you know, is the word and we're going to learn and and hope to see kids come to Christ and stuff like that. It's just a really good, um, way for kids to invite friends because everyone wants to come and, and see, you know, you know, rock bands play, you know, at the beginning, stuff like that. just a really cool day, easy going for you to invite people. And so, um. But anyways, there was this girl in our youth ministry who went to an all-girls school. And um, and she was determined to get a lot of girls to come to Exo Day from her school. She was just determined. All-girls school. In her high school, there were 700 girls. 700 girls. And she had this idea, you know, how can I, how can I invite all these girls and, and, you know, and, you know, kind of persuade them to come along? And um, so she thought, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you know i'm going to go get roses and i'm going to give each girl a rose and and with a little letter on the side you know like on one side it's going to say like you know you're a daughter of the king you're beautiful you know something like that and then on the back um you know it's going to have you know come to big Exo Day, kind of thing like that and um and so she said this is what i want to do but um but you know i, I don't have any money and and her parents weren't really, you know, behind her doing anything. And, and so, and she's, you know, 16 years old, you know, doesn't have any money. You know, if you're 16, you don't have money. If you have a 16 year old, you know they don't have money. And, and so, you know, here she is and she's wanting to do this. And so what she thought is, you know what, I'm just going to call some florists and I'm just going to find out, you know, what I can, what I can make happen. And so she calls, you know, the first, First floor, and you know, he- hello, yes, you know, my name's so-and-so, and, and I'm wanting to do this thing for my school and give all these girls a rose and invite them to this, you know, Christian youth event that we're having. And um, I was needing about, you know, 700 roses. And the person said, okay, well, um, you know, well, there, it's going to be this much. Oh, yes, ma'am, but um, I, I kind of need them for free because I don't have any money. And, and, and that's what she got. She just got laughs. She just got a bunch of laughs. People thinking 700 roses, whatever. And uh, and and she just got a bunch of laughs. But that's what she needed. And she needed them for free. And she knew that God, God wanted her to do this. And, and to bring along all these friends and stuff like that. 42 calls later. 42 calls later. She calls up this florist. And, and by then, you know, the phone book's getting real slim. There's not, you know, very many left to call. And then she calls up. And she says, hi, my name's so-and-so, and I'm having this event, and I, w- I want to give 700 roses to these girls to get them to come along. And um, and the guy looks at her, or, or, or he says over the phone, he says, um, and, and she mentions that, you know, I, I need them for free. I don't have any money. And, um, and the guy says, you know what? You're in luck, because I just had a wedding cancel on me, and, and I have all these roses here now, probably about 750 roses, and they're going to die by tomorrow. And so if you're willing to come by, I'll give them to you for free. And so she gets all these roses for free. And, and, you know, she puts them all together and she sends them out to the girls in her school. 700 girls get these roses. And, um, but then, you know, she comes to the problem that I, I need buses, you know. I, I need, how am I going to get buses to transport these girls? And so she goes to her school. It's just a private girl's school. Not Christian at all. And she just begs and pleads with the principal to let him use the school buses to transport these girls. And, and he lets her. And he lets her take the buses, so now they got the transportation um, for this Christian event. And, and, and you know, and, you know in, in schools today, that's almost unheard of that, that someone would let you, you know, use, much less um, promote, you know, any kind of Christian event on the on the property of the school. That's unheard of. But she got the buses. Three hundred of the girls came to Exo Day that day. Three hundred girls came out of the seven hundred roses that she gave away, and that night. 100 of her friends gave their life to Jesus. 100, 100 salvations. I'm just saying, how much passion, how much drive will you have in order to see God move? How, how, how far are you willing to go? What things are you willing to do? Are you willing to make 42 calls with people laughing in your face saying, that's impossible, you're never going to get what you need? But but to say, you know what, I'm not going to be discouraged by that. I'll make one more call. And if they turn me down, I'll make one more call. And if they turn me down, I'll make one more call. Because I believe that this is what God has placed in my heart. And this is what I'm going to do. I just thought it was awesome. Here's a girl that was so passionate about reaching her friends. So passionate about introducing her friends to a real God. She wanted to make known the unknown God in that school. And she did just exactly that. 300 girls came, 100 salvations in a matter of about five hours. Tell me that wasn't worth it. Tell me that wasn't worth every phone call, every hardship that she went to in those weeks preparing for that. 100 friends come to Christ. Passion will cause you to overcome any obstacle in your way of success. It's the only thing that will help you overcome those things. Like like nothing else is going to help you. Your ego isn't going to help you. You know, you can't count on your friends to help you. You can't count on, on, you know, you know, you can't count on a florist to help you. But, but your passion is what's gonna help you. And, and when Christ looks down and he sees passion in the hearts of his people, he moves. Nothing moves God except faithfulness and passion. Nothing else moves. You know, your, your, your check doesn't move God. But your passion and your faithfulness will move God to do amazing things in your life and in the lives of those around you? Are we passionate? Are we excited? Man, it'll help us press through any fear, any doubt, anything. Are we making known the unknown God? You know, I hope so. I hope that there are people in here that that say, you know, I am. I, I know that I am. I'm doing a good job. I'm making known the unknown God in my workplace. But the fact is, is that there are people who can't say that. There are people who can't say that they know the unknown God. There are people, hundreds of thousands of people in America, who cannot say that they know God. They cannot say that. And I'm so glad that I can say this today, that I can say that I trust an unknown future to a known God. I'm so glad that I can say that. You know what? You know, Clay Baird might not know what the next ten years hold. I might not know the future, but I know the God that holds the future. You might not know your future and your coworkers might not know their future, but you can introduce them to the God that holds their future. How passionate are we going to be? How passionate are we going to be? Are we going to make known the unknown God? Are we going to make known the unknown God? It's not difficult. It's not difficult at all. If you, if you catch anything this morning, catch this. It's not difficult. It's not impossible. All things are possible. All things are possible. Say, all things are possible. All things are possible. possible. It can happen. If it can happen for a 16-year-old girl to see 100 of her friends. And and, I mean, and you know, you think you got it hard as an adult to try to witness to to non-Christian friends in the high schools that we live in today is hard. And I think that that, you know, if, if your kids are doing it, you need to give them a lot of credit. Because they're probably taking a lot of flack. Amen. They're probably getting it all the time. And, and, they're, and they're probably struggling and they're probably wanting to give up. But, I'm, but you support them. You support them and you get behind them. If they want to do something like that, if they want to give their friends something, man, you know what? Why don't you help them financially? Yeah. And, and it's so sad that she didn't have anyone. But, but yet she did it on her own. Yeah. And if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. But man, support those kids because I'm telling you, in the high schools today, it is hard. You know, just I mean, just hearing you know, you would think that after everything that happens on the news and you hear about kids bringing guns to school and all this different stuff, that kids would wise up. But like when when you know, I hear young people tell stories about what happened you know this last week in school and stuff like that. I mean, kids don't wise up. They don't, and 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 it's it's hard to say that, and you, and you wish they would. But I'm just saying, it's constantly rough. They're not, schools are not getting better. If you're waiting around for the schools to get better, the school board to get better, you know, you're going to be waiting until Jesus comes. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Are, are you kidding me with a government right now trying to take out, you know, a God in the Pledge of Allegiance, trying to take out God in in in, uh, in you know, our Constitution and things like that and all these, it, are you kidding me? It, it's not getting better. They're not going to help you. Your passion and your faithfulness are the only things that will help you. Amen. Amen. It's the only things that are going to help us make known the unknown God. And you know what? And, I, and, and you know, God help us, but, you know, in a matter of a few decades, He might truly be an unknown God in America. That's right. He might truly be an unknown God. There might be no um, even hint of the word God anywhere for, for people to see anymore. And that's awful. That's an awful day. But I'm just saying we know Him and we can make known the unknown God in our world today. Would you stand please? And I'm just gonna you know if you would just bow your head and close your eyes I'm just gonna pray for us real quick and the pastor's gonna come back up and and close the service. But you know right now I just believe that you know I I I know because because this you know the Holy Spirit put that word in my heart so I know that it was for someone here today. He wouldn't have given it to me if it was for no one. So it was for someone here today. And so this morning I just want you to check your heart right now and I want you to, to just find. You know what? Maybe you have been so influenced. Maybe maybe you're the person who who just looks at yourself and man, I have just been influenced by everything. Or maybe you're the person who says, well, I haven't necessarily been influenced, but I have not been influencing. Either way, this morning God can turn it around. God can turn around. God can, God can raise you up. God can bring people around you that are going to encourage you to where you do not have to be influenced by anything anymore. He can bring those people. He can bring your Jonathan to your side to raise you up, to lift you up, to encourage you. And you know what? This morning, God can put the passion and the faithfulness inside of you to be a person of influence. He can do both things today. Isn't that awesome that we serve a God who is able to minister to to, to hundreds of different people in hundreds of different ways all at the same time? I think that's just amazing. And so this morning, I, I can't check your heart for you. You're going to have to check it yourself. But this morning as I pray, if you find that's you, then I just want you to lift both hands to the Lord right now. If, if you think that is you, if you say, Clay, I know I'm in that boat. I'm in one of those two scenarios. Then just lift your hands to the Lord right now. And as I pray, you've got to make it real in your own heart. I can't make it real for you. But Father God, I just see I see these hands lifted to you right now, Father, and I just pray that the Spirit of the Living God would rest upon each and every single person here, Father, that where those feel um where those feel like they are just beaten down, that they are so influenced that there's no getting back up, Father, the race is not over. The race is not over, my life is not over, that you can restore and you can turn everything around with a snap of your fingers, Father God. It can happen in a second. And I pray for that person that you meet them right now, that you lift them up, that you encourage them, that you bring godly people around them, that you let them know that there is a team of people who want them to win, Father God, that we are all about seeing people win in life, Lord Jesus. And for the person who says, God, I need to be a person of influence. I have not influenced one single person. Friend, your race is not over either. Your race is not over either. And guess what? Monday morning when you wake up, that person that you work with is still going to be there. They're still going to be there. They haven't transferred. Yes. They're not going anywhere. You can still reach that person today. You might think that, oh man, I, I, I failed. Maybe, maybe they know of your past and maybe it's not too, too good and they're just looking and, oh, if I try to reach out to them, they're just going to throw it back in my face. Friend, God can do amazing things. Yes. God can do amazing things, unheard of things. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you do not have to speak because He is going to speak right through you. Heavenly Father, I pray right now. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would just um that you would encourage your people this morning, that you would lift them up, that you would let every single person walk away encouraged, walk away empowered, Lord God, knowing that they can make known the unknown God in their workplace. Father, we give you praise this morning, and we worship you with all of our hearts. In your name we ask it. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just kind of remain in the same spirit that uh, we're in at this moment. We bless you, Lord. We give you thanks. You've talked to us this morning. And we've heard your voice. Holy Spirit, I ask now that you would begin to do the work that is uniquely yours. Lord, we can play music and lead people into worship, sing songs, pray, preach. We can do all the things that we are asked to do, but Lord, we can't get into the heart of a human being. Even if we were a medical doctor, a surgeon, and could open up a person's chest, all we could do is grab that heart in the natural. We couldn't get down into the spiritual part, in the center of a person. Only You can do that. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would begin to move in the hearts of people right now. Lord, I don't know that there's not one or two, five, maybe ten who, Lord, they, they might know a little bit about you. They might have heard about you, heard the name of Jesus before. But to be candid, when it comes to their life, You're an unknown God. They don't really know you personally. They they don't really pray much to you. If they pray, it's just simply one of those sort of religious or one of those, those, you know, my my tail's in a sling prayer and I just need, need something more than me. Lord, I pray right now that you'd make yourself known. You'd make yourself known to people right now that desperately need you. They might not even know that they need you, but something is stirring in their heart right now. I pray, Lord, that you bring people to that knowledge. Only you can do that. Would you do that right now, Holy Spirit? With every head bowed and every eye closed. If there's never been a moment you've said yes to Jesus Christ. You see, to many, he is an unknown God, but we know who he is. His name's Jesus. God un- unveiled himself through Jesus Christ he showed us who he was in his son everything that we need to know about the father has been expressed through his son Jesus Christ he doesn't have to be this unknown God It doesn't have to be this distant deity that this morning you can get that connection back with your very creator maybe there was a time in your life you said yes to Jesus but for whatever reason you've gotten off the path you've become wayward your sins have alienated you to the point that you walk in confusion and distance and you say to yourself, I, I, my life's a mess and I'm, I'm not back to where I need to be. Here's the good news. If you're like a prodigal, you may walk away from the father, but you can run your way back. You can, you can come to your senses and, and get out of the pigsty and you can say, I want to go back to my father's house. I had it good there. You can turn around and get right. But that's your choice. God's waiting. His arms are extended. He's waiting just to see your distant figure begin to move towards Him. And if you'll move towards Him, He'll run towards you. But you've got to move. You just can't keep saying, well, let Him come to me. Let Him come to me. God wants to move. Let me me just say this straight. He so desperately wants to love you. But here's here's the deal. He wants to know if you'll take some steps towards Him. The Bible says if you'll draw near to God... He'll draw near to you. That's what he asked this morning. So with every head bowed and with every eye closed, we've not done this for a few weeks, but really it's the most important thing we can do as a people is to take just those few moments at the end of a service and look at a congregation as, as the doors of the house of the Lord have been opened and say that if there's something in your heart that's alienating you, that's at distance from God, you need to get it right. We want to help you get that, that relationship Right, so he's not unknown, but he's known. He's not distant, but he's near. He's not someone you just hear taught about, but he's someone that's active in your life. That can happen, but you've got to make that decision right now. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, don't let your mind... See, that was the Greeks' problem. They got their mind so involved in all of this that they missed what their heart was telling them. That's why some mocked him. Some walked away from Paul. But there were those who, for whatever reason, got past their brain and God got into their heart and they said, you know, I I, I want to hear more about this. I, I, I want a I relationship with this God. I'm going to count the three and I want you to do what you'll be glad that you've done when this day's all over, that you've got your relationship with God back on track. I'm not asking, we prayed, Clay prayed for passion. I'm not saying come down and get your passion. I want you to come down because... You say, I, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not right. And I want to get right before I go. And, and I, want to, I want them to be known. So on the count of three, I want you to do just get press, use that passion prayer to press past your friends and your and, and your family. I'm talking to young people. This is a fifth Sunday. There's children in the in the service today. I think the children can even sense the heart of God. I want you to press past everything. And if you need to give your heart away to Jesus Christ, if you need to get your heart right with him, I don't want you, you don't have to fake it around here. If you're not if you're not where you need to be, just say, I want to get where I need to be. But on the count of three, I want you just to slip out and just come and we're gonna pray for you right down here before we go. That's what we're gonna do on the count of three. Are you ready? Are you really ready? Are you ready to let that passion, it's happening. I've seen this a thousand times people's hearts, they're literally beating out of their chest and they'll debate, I'm telling you right now don't you debate with God, let him transform you we can't make this decision for you if we could, we would but right now, you can make that decision that you'll be glad you made you really will you really will on the count of three one, two, three just make that decision right now Just come on. Some are coming right now. Let's just get right before we go. Come on, right now. Come on. Right now. Come on. God bless you. Just come on, right now. Just come on, right now. Come on, right now. Come on. 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 Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless y'all. God bless you. God bless you. God loves you. You know he loves you. He
0: loves you. He loves you.
1: He He does. He does, guys. You know he loves you a lot? God loves you. You know what? Tears are a good thing. The Bible says that godly sorrow leadeth to repentance. Repentance guides us to salvation God bless you He loves you You know that? He loves you he loves you he loves you lots God loves you God loves you a lot We're going to pray all together There may be some folks you feel come up beside you and they're just going to agree with you and they may In fact, I know some of them will visit with you afterwards We're just going to pray together. Everybody in the house is going to pray with me, right? We're all going to just link our voices together and agree together for salvation and for renewal and and, and for that unknown God unveiling himself and making himself known. He's going to make himself known to you all right now. Let's all pray together. Repeat after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I've responded to you. I want to know who you are and what you're all about. I don't want a statue in my life that says, unknown God. I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. I confess with my mouth all my waywardness and my sins. I declare this day that Jesus is Lord. Forgive me, Lord, of all my sins. I'm truly sorry, but I'm coming back to You right now. I receive Your blood and Your forgiveness. Cleanse me now from all my sins. Reconnect me to Yourself and to God the Father. I confess that I am a child of Yours. I receive the power of the resurrection. To change my life. Begin right now. Let it start in me. Raise me up to do great things for you. Thank you, Lord, for loving me and receiving me. I am your child in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Okay, guys, listen to me now. If you don't have Bibles, we'll get you a Bible. If you don't have connection with people, there are folks that are gonna you're gonna turn right around and run into somebody here in just a minute, and you're gonna make a connection with somebody. And, and and the key to successful Christian living is this: is number one, you gotta you stay in the hunt, you stay in the house of God, you stay connected with people. And if you'll do that, you'll be just like Alan back there. I mean, two years ago, Alan, he was going to twelve step programs. And his life was just out of order. But I'm telling you today, he's solid. He's on target. He's not a perfect guy. I know Alan. He, he, Alan's not a perfect guy. But I tell you what, he's not where he was. And he looked at me this morning. He said, Pastor, God's prospering my hands. I, I'm, I'm, more finances coming to my, to my life. I mean, that. it can happen to you. You young people, listen to me now. It, Clay was right. It's not easy living for Jesus. in, in, in Where you are, It's not, it's not easy. Everything is pulling you every which direction. But can I tell you this? That those days will be over someday. And, and if you'll live them strong, and if you'll find people to connect with, that'll help you live those days strong. Listen to me now. If you'll find people like that, and, and you'll live through it, you won't live with some of the scars that a few of us have. I'm, I mean, I'm glad now 25 years later, they're distant memories. But don't do, don't do what I did. Take it from pastor, man. I may have turned out right, but it would, don't presume on the grace of God. All right. But I know Clay will be there. Pick up a phone and you can call him and he'll help you. I'll just believe that God will give you godly people, young people to be around too. But you're the same thing. You gotta stay connected, stay in the hunt, stay faithful. Amen. Can I ask the ladies to go this way for just a minute? Guys, would you go under disciple just for a minute? Before we let you go. We just want to greet you and love you just a little bit more before you go. Thank you, Lord. Clay, can you can you just can you come and do something? Is see there? Okay, that's great. All right, let him go. All right, um, Amen. i just, yeah, just stay where you are. Just right, right. Okay, folks, isn't that a good day? That's a good day. A good word. Amen. Amen. Here's, here's, here. I'm commissioning you now. When you see, when you run into these folk, ask their name. Who are they? If you don't know them, ask them what their name is. Get to know them. Shake their hand. Tell them that you're glad for the decision they made. That's what you can do here today. You can. It's not, we'll do our best to help and love and hug, but you know what you need to do? You need to find people when they make decisions and hug them around the neck and say, I'm so glad you did that. That just blessed my heart. And and be an encouragement and and encourage them. Amen? And let's get our passion together. One more time I'm going to pray right now. Let's believe God. Father, I thank you for all the household of God. I thank you for every person that was here this morning. I thank you for these, Lord, that that stepped forward. And, Lord, gave their hearts away, got their, got their lives, Lord, on, on back on track with you. I pray right now, Lord, that, that the work which you've begun in them would be brought to completion. Lord, we want to be their cheerleaders. We want them to be encouraged in this thing. We want them to succeed in this Christian life. And, Lord, I pray for each person once again. And I just link myself up in agreement with what was taught this morning. Lord, ignite our passions. Get us back in the hunt. Lord, give us a strength of conviction that, Lord, when we go to where they are, Lord, we're not reflecting the temperature, but we're setting the temperature. Lord, if you lead us into tough places, Lord, I pray right now for a strength in the people of God, not to be drugged back into their old ways, but to stand and be able to demonstrate their new ways in the name of Jesus. And Lord, cause us to have enough sense to know when we're, when we're ready for that and when we're maybe not ready for that. When we're strong and ready to go and maybe when we're ripe and, and, and the enemy could open up a door. Lord, help us to have sense to know those those time periods in our life. But Lord, I pray specifically for strength. There's a time when we need to rise up and get with it. And Lord, I believe you're doing that in all of our lives. So Lord, bless your people. Help them this week. Let them feel like they've made an impact For the kingdom. Lord, we're glad when we do things that bless our households and meet our needs, but help us this week to specifically feel like we're making an impact for the kingdom of God. And I bless them, keep them safe as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One more time, give the Lord a big hand. Hey, love each other. God bless you. Fellowship for a little bit, and you're released this morning. God bless you.